Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Patrick Gentry. He is the co-founder and CEO of Sprout Solutions. Patrick came to the Philippines from the US and he took on one of the hardest problems in Philippine business. It is payroll. And we will discuss today quite why payroll is such a difficult thing to master in the Philippines. But he has, uh, he's built this business and built this solution around the needs of payroll. And of course, when you're talking outsourcing, it is all about staffing. It is all about HR and compliance and getting that payroll done and getting it done correctly. So it's a great conversation with Patrick. We have a good discussion on the payroll situation, uh, the workforce generally, and then we also go a little bit into uh, crypto, Web3, and all the future of uh, work and potential earnings. So great conversation with Patrick. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Patrick, welcome to the show. I want to start by exploring the complexities of payroll in the Philippines. Why on earth is it so difficult to get Mm -hmm. payroll right? Mm. That's a great question, Derek. Um, And uh, and thanks for having me on your show. Really, uh, I love your stuff. I've been following your your thought pieces for a long time. So so great to be here. Um, Yeah. uh, (laughs) Payroll is is intense for a number of reasons. So First, like kind of there are two main sides on the payroll side. uh, The big thing is government compliance. So there are to give you an idea of this, there are six different government agencies that have something to do with um, payroll compliance. 
uh, whether that's privacy concerns handled by the NPC, the National Privacy Commission, or just simple taxes, you know, coming from BIR. Uh, and so, and, and there's tedious government reporting requirements due to all six of these agencies. In particular, the four tax agencies require regular reporting. In fact, every single time you process payroll in the Philippines, you need to report to these four different tax agencies. Uh, and so we actually, with, with Sprout, we, uh, we automate over 20 different government reports that are due to these six different agencies. Um, again, in particular, those four agencies, every time a company processes payroll. And that's just, that's on the payroll side, this government compliance piece. But what, what's in, inter, in, even more complicated in the Philippines is that uh, time and attendance is what drives payroll. So an employee's time and attendance calculated to the minute is what's determining their payroll. And that's you know across industry, across level, from blue collar to white collar, from rank and file, all the way up to director level. Employees clock in in the morning, they clock out in the evening. And this is where actually the most pain is in, in the Philippines. So DOLE, the Department of Labor and Employment, uh, mandates all of these different rules about how employee how employers you know track the time of their employees and then pay them accordingly. And just to give you one example uh, of the complexity here, in the Philippines you have your basic pay rate. So this is how much an employee earns per hour um, as calculated by their growth pay. Uh, but then you have these you know if an employee works overtime then of course you pay them a different rate like 1.3 or 1.5 times their their basic rate uh, in the philippines there are 32 different overtime classifications so the time that an employee works may fall into one of 32 different types based on time of day or night or weekend or holiday um, and then you have employees whose shifts cross the date and tomorrow may be a holiday and today is a normal day and their payroll rate has to change partway through the shift and then they file for overtime and it changes again. Um, so you can just imagine like how complex it can get just to pay your employees uh, in the Philippines. And have you seen this uh, red tape and complexity over the years now, of course, you've been involved, you know, for, for a number of years. Have you seen this mm -hmm. complexity increase or decrease? There, there was a move by the government at some stage to try and reduce red tape and complexity. Yeah. How have you seen that um, within the within the kind of HR payroll space? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, there's the the government has done a lot of things, kind of on the surface, to try and fix you know, general, general uh, government services. Uh, their focus has been more around company um, kind of corporate level stuff, like incorporating a new business, um, having corporate uh, documents, you know, the, the three turnaround time for corporate documents. We haven't seen a lot in the payroll space. In fact, they've been as busy as ever, like changing um, tax rates and changing the format of, of government compliance forms and these kind of things that actually make it quite difficult for, for employers to be government compliant. So I guess one area where we've seen improvement but not yet uh, innovation is really, or not yet disruption, I say, is on the each kind of tax agency 
having like an online presence. So we've started seeing online portals and online presence from government, but these online portals tend to be very tedious, um, prone to going down, uh, that sort of thing. So, so I guess it's like twofold. Yes, there is absolutely the intent and it's great to see the government making those moves. And we are, we are making progress. It's just, uh, of course you would like to see it happen a little bit faster. Um, but, but we're going in the right direction for sure. It is, it is so common with emerging economies, unfortunately, that they have a lot of friction and complexity and it's hard to do business in these environments. And I think the, the payroll is a perfect example of this. And also, as you mentioned, incorporation, you know, historically has always been very difficult. Uh, and I actually know a, a local friend who is trying to set up a simple coffee <laughs> bar uh, yeah. and you know, he doesn't have a lot of money and he's not that sophisticated and he is just absolutely bamboozled by the level of or the processes required mm. to register a company, get business permits, get the licenses, get the mm. food licenses. Um, and then he just, you know, sort of it takes him a year and then he gives up because there's just yeah. a wall of bureaucracy. It's such yeah. a shame, isn't it? And it's consistent yeah. with emerging markets. But as Correct. you say, like there is there is, uh, I suppose, um, intent to, to try and clean these things up with, yeah. with payroll. Why, how on earth does it become so complex? Is it because it's just sort of a lot of legacy layers that have had a new layer and then a new layer added to it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can see, so yeah, correct on, sorry, on your incorporation point. Yeah. I mean, incorporation time in this country is like two to six months. It may be longer. Um, I, I know same kind of thing. I know stories about folks who, uh, it's where it stretched a year or more and they just gave up. It's, it's wild. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's that and side the problem of it. Is, you know, we can use lawyers and correct. You know, we, we, we can, sort of work through it and it's just a business process but for the average joe in the street mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it, it's sort of an impenetrable wall of bureaucracy isn't it which yeah which is a shame because it kind of it holds is. back the country of course yeah for sure it holds back entrepreneurship uh, innovation that kind of thing like that grassroots level of, of economic development that you of course you would like to see um so on the payroll side it's like uh, it's really the history of the country that, that you're looking at. Like these laws, like Department of Labor and Employment, the, the employment laws in the Philippines were written for a vastly different economy and a vastly different workforce and a workforce that was very prone to abuse and needed a lot of protection. Um, so very employee side um, laws and very like tedious regulations and and like you said like layer upon layer kind of added on um in a way that makes the law sometimes difficult for companies to interpret so on top of the laws being very uh not hostile to employers but but definitely employee friendly or more on the written on the employee side there there's also a lot of like things in the in the rule books that are open to interpretation so it makes it uh, harder for companies to know whether they're actually being government compliant. And if they have, a, you know, the CEO may not know that the HR manager has set up a policy a certain way that it's like technically 
not in the rule book, but a loophole that's, you know, common. And then if a dolly inspection happens, you know, of course the employer is, is held accountable. Um, mm. So yeah, there's just a, like a lot of, like you said, developing market is, it, it, ha- this happen this kind of setup happens a lot and it's due to that real historical background of the, of the, of the payroll re- of, of the employment regulations. And as you say, you know, that, well, there's a misconception really that, um, you know, in emerging economies and in outsourcing, there's mistreatment of staff. But as you said, it's actually the inverse. There's very pro-labor. It's a very pro-labor market and, and labor system here, which, of course, is yeah. fantastic. You need to ensure the welfare of the, the workforce. Uh, and, of course, the workforce will only be productive if, if they're safe and content. But um, it does create a lot of uh, legal hurdles, doesn't it, to remain compliant. And often, you know, the difficulty is, as you say, you don't know what you don't know. And, and there's a lot of gray areas. Uh, so even just remaining compliant is uh, is a bit of a hornet's nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to, to your Sorry, point you about saying, Patrick, as well, the um, just going right back to an earlier point, everything is based on time and attendance. Now, I know in practice that managers and, you know, the sort of traditional professional class, they're all kind of on a salary and they work the hours they need to and they're flexible in terms of their time, you know, the traditional sort of white collar expectation. But is sort of under the bonnet, is that not actually the case when it comes to recording attendance? Oh, yeah. I mean, in the Philippines... Across industries, like we have, so on our platform, we have four, four or 5,000 doctors and nurses. Um, these are people clocking in and clocking out and getting paid according to the hours that they work. Um, like I said, this crosses industry, it crosses level. It's just the way that the market works here. Um, people really get paid uh, by the hour. It Yes, they collect their salary twice a month. Normally, like most companies pay semi-monthly, which is like, 15 and 30, that kind of thing. Um, but, but the payroll is, is hundred percent dependent on the, on the work hours. So there's undertime calculated into there. There's overtime calculated in if they work over, um, all that kind of thing. So yeah. And it makes for a very, uh, very difficult management for, for, for employers. Um, and, and this is again, cross, Cross industry, cross company level, um, just a, just a standard. And, I, and I've seen this other in other developing markets as well. I think it's it's something that's so foreign to like folks like me from the U.S. For example, when I first came here, I was shocked that like everybody operates this way. But um, but when you're in the market for a while, you really you really kind of realize like this is the norm. And I, I like I said, if you go to Indonesia, Vietnam, Malaysia, you know. Uh, companies, countries in South America operate very similar. Mm. And I think as a sort of early stage foreigner coming into one of these countries, I think you approach it with a bit of naivety and uh, you, you think, you know, it can't be that hard. We can clean this up quick, smart mm. and, you know, get it working very easily. But actually these systems are incredibly difficult to, to navigate, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to put it in context, Sprout is seven years old. We're the market leader in the Philippines in this space. Uh, we have a team of almost 90 product and engineering folks who have been at this for seven years, just focused on core HR and automating 
all of this employee management from we've expanded a little bit beyond core. Like now we do full employee lifecycle management, but still like that core HR piece is what takes up a lot of our product engineering time. It's just like, yeah, if you want to, if you want to make it slick and automated and, and kind of have a good UX for your employee user experience for your employees and that kind of thing, it really takes a massive amount of effort. And so introduce us to Sprout then, of course, and, and just also your journey, Patrick, what brought you to the Philippines and, and how on earth did you pick uh, payroll as a, as a problem to solve? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, so um, I landed in the Philippines in 2008. I was actually in, uh, I came over this side of the world. I, I'm American by background, um, career-wise, you know, uh, cut my teeth in Silicon Valley tech, um, but came over here in 2008. Uh, I was just wa- I was watching my brother actually in the Beijing Olympics. He's a he's a two time Olympic wrestler. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I was this part of the world, and then came by the Philippines to visit a friend, and then ended up sticking around. And I joined uh, him and three other people uh, starting a company here called KMC. Uh, doing real estate brokerage and then service office and then staff leasing. Um, and that staff leasing piece is you're basically the employer of record for foreign businesses to, to, to manage staff in the Philippines. And so that that's a very HR and payroll heavy business. As you can imagine, your whole job is basically like finding hiring, retaining, paying, um, engaging talent on behalf of foreign companies. Um, and it was in that business that, that Sprout was conceived. Um, we, we struggled with HR and payroll, like literally we had, we had so many pain points in this area. Um, and we looked in the market, this is 2010. We looked in the market and we were really unhappy with kind of the solutions we found. So, so we built our own tool, um, and we use that internally as we scaled that business and then in 2015 i told the other founders like you know hey guys i really wanna i'm a software guy i want to take this to market and see see what we can see what i can do with it um so i incorporated sprout then um and then we've been we've been running ever since so we we handle core hr uh we, we started with core hr um and then we started layering on in the last couple of years we started layering on strategic HR and benefits and that kind of thing to really help employers in this country manage their entire employee life cycle. Everything from sourcing to hiring um, to engaging their talent and then providing world-class benefits. Um, like since we have employee management um, and 100% of employees are logging into our platform on a, on a daily basis, um, we're able to, to automate like employers giving their employees benefits. So a few examples would be like um, access to mental health. So during, during the pandemic, we added Sprout Wellness to the platform. So imagine you're an employee working for, uh, you know, it could be a call center, it could be a, a, a financial institution or any of these industries that we cater to. And you have, you have, your health, you know, you have anxiety from dealing with COVID, <laughs> Um, right through our platform, you can book a session with a psychologist and just talk through um, talk through your your feelings. And this is kind of a 
major shift in you can imagine developing markets it's quite common for mental health to be kind of neglected um and we've seen that change a lot and we're helping we're helping change it um so benefits like that we're able to 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 give employers the ability to give those to their employees so so yeah we really from core hr now we're really helping um the best employers in the country uh give their employees a great a great experience and with your core hr then patrick it's it's predominantly a SaaS, uh, a software solution but is it is it kind of a productized service if if someone has your software can they just input sort of the the required fields and it's all done or is this so much sort of you know kicking under the water that it takes uh, support from your your team is it kind of a managed service as well ah so we can do both um predominantly we're SaaS, 100% tech uh, clients use our software. Uh, they manage the their business through our software, um, and it's all self service. And of, you know, of course, after onboarding, like onboarding is a big deal. So to to put that in context, you know, um, we cater to businesses from zero to twenty thousand plus employees. So, it, you know, if you're onboarding a company with ten thousand employees it's a huge effort for them and for us. And we, we put a ton of effort into making sure our clients get onto the system and know how to use it and their employees are using it and everybody's happy. Um, but yeah, after that onboarding period, it's very much self-service. Um, we also have managed services where we can do things like process payroll on behalf of the, of the client. So some companies, they, they, choose, they opt in to do this like payroll outsourcing thing where they have us process payroll for them. Um, so those kind of managed services we can do for clients. And then other ad hoc managed services we can also provide because we have the expertise. So like legal, um, payroll, uh, government compliance, consulting. Like we have experts in all of these things. So we help our clients navigate, you know, anything from Department of Labor um, cases from, from their employees to understanding, hey, uh, Am I paying my employees competitively versus other companies? Um, how how are uh, how do we or like another one another flavor of that is like how do we do salary leveling across our company? Just all kinds of professional services um, that since we have the experts, we really help our clients quite holistically there. Got it. It's a, it's a powerful position to be in. And Patrick, you have a lot of insight into the industry. Uh, you obviously have, you know, you're looking across many tens or hundreds of thousands of uh, salaries and positions and roles. Um, do you have any insights for the outsourcing industry specifically? Like how how is it positioned uh, comparatively? Yeah, so I mean, it's super exciting um, that the in, the industry here is it's a it's a massive economic driver in the country and a fantastic kind of source of employment for 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 employees for filipinos um i'm super excited to to support the industry and we can see the benefits of it so uh when we look across our database um bpo workers are earning on average 20 percent more than their peers in other industries uh, and that's like it's a very strong stat uh that like, like I think you alluded to it earlier when you said this industry often 
uh, kind of has the misconception or gets the misconception that it's like, uh, uh, you know, a sweatshop or something like that, mm. you know, far to the contrary, uh, these are very well-paid employees um, and, and very well supported. So our BPO clients are the ones who are getting things like the mental health support, the, the salary advance benefit for their employees and these various modules that, that we've plugged in to help employers be better. So Got yeah, it. it's a, it's pretty cool to see. The other thing that we we've seen in our system is that the industry is growing. So some industries are, you know, suffering from pandemic or suffering from kind of the macroeconomics that we see today. Um, but the BPO industry here continues to grow, um, continues to hire more. So for, for an employee, that means stable employment, which is obviously, you know, a critical thing for anybody. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty powerful, isn't it? And it, it's sort of interesting to sort of remember that outsourcing fundamentally is an export industry. And if it wasn't for the relationship between the outsourcing firms and the, the foreign firms, um, the foreign clients, uh, all of these people, you know, the, in, they wouldn't have this demand. So it's incredible product of global industry now that, you know, many millions of people and their families are supported in the Philippines and they're mm -hmm. earning better than industry rates by working for foreign employers effectively. It's it's mm -hmm. a pretty powerful thing for for both the Philippines, the emerging economies, the people within the countries, but also the, the clients overseas. Yeah, it's uh, mm -hmm. incredible to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one thing, as we spoke about the complexities about payroll and and incorporating and things like that, one of the, I suppose, the growing frustrations for the outsourcing industry is the, the number of freelancers and offshore workers that are not formally employed. And they might be on Upwork or Fiverr. Uh, and they are being paid through PayPal, or even there are these sort of growing VA agencies that mm -hmm. you know are growing in size, might have hundreds of of employees in inverted mm -hmm. commas, um, but they're not actually conforming to the labor laws and not properly employing the staff. And mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, this seems to occur more in emerging markets. And you can understand because it is so complex to comply and to register and to jump through all the hoops as you say um mm -hmm. uh, do you have you do you have any visibility on that now i know you know by nature if they're not employed then they're not going to be doing payroll but do you do you see a growing trend of this or do you sort of see that people will eventually uh, come back to mm -hmm. standardized processes as mm -hmm. they get easier to to implement yeah so great, a very interesting topic. Um, so as you said, we don't directly deal with those freelancers because we're, we're essentially a platform for employers to, to take care of their employees. Um, but we can certainly speak to the, like the, the amount that employers go through uh, to, to give their employees these benefits. So, and, and, and actually I'll talk a little bit about uh, government compliance as it relates to this. So, so first, when employee when employees like I look at those freelancers as like short term gain, long term loss, because when you're working for a company and you're getting those government deductions, 
those are building your you know social security and your access to healthcare in the, in the country and all of these like fundamental things that you may well be depending on maybe not today but down the road so it's super important for employees to to be working for proper proper companies and building up those um, those reserves now on the government compliance side uh, the the government agencies here you might you know people might think that they're that it's easier to to kind of skirt the legal boundaries in a developing market but man from what i've seen it's it's the opposite like the department of labor here is very aggressive about auditing companies and going after those companies that aren't following the labor laws um another one like if you're in the philippines if you're a business in the philippines on your fifth year you're almost guaranteed to be audited by bir the the uh, tax agency here the bureau of internal revenue so and you know these kind of audits are cross-pollinating so if you're if you're not doing well in a bir audit it can trigger a dole audit um and all kinds of stuff that's that you know i was surprised it's quite sophisticated from a from an enforcement perspective so yeah i think long term it's not an it's definitely not an existential threat to the industry for sure i think long term you're going to see those shops either changing to conform to to become you know proper um employers or or dissolving right or and those employees eventually you know landing in the industry um under proper employment but for for a number of reasons like you know as i discussed sorry yeah, I, you can, you know, right, go those, on, go on. sorry sorry to, to expand on that like those employee benefits like your your employee either you know as a freelancer you're just paid as a contractor per hour and you know the company is doing nothing for you essentially you know for most of these guys for the employers who are kind of skirting the law and like hiring these VAs on mass and, and you know as as freelancers they're certainly doing everything they can to to minimize costs so these employees are getting no benefits and like very very little support versus companies who are doing things properly they're providing HMO benefits to their employees which is you know the the healthcare um like very fundamental benefits are being provided to employees. Like in our platform, a hundred percent of our clients offer HMO to their employees uh, within the industry, within the BPO industry. So that's a in in and of itself, that's a massive benefit that that employees are getting that they're not getting from their employer if it's like some fly by night shop or you know as a freelancer. Yeah, and it is you know as you say, it's 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 often short term gain for long term loss, isn't it? And it's mm-hmm. getting people to understand that, um, mm-hmm. but that that can be a hard argument sometimes. With yeah. with the with the benefits and you know with Sprout, it, it's such a powerful platform to to be able to aggregate benefits and mm-hmm. services, as you say, like the mental health assistance. How have you seen the industry evolve over your time in the industry in terms of? I suppose standard provisions within HMO employee expectations, and you mm-hmm. seeing the sort of um, I don't know the quality of care or welfare of the workforce significantly change and evolve. Yeah. So I think like two things here. Um, first, we've definitely seen the whole market evolve a little bit over time. So when when I was first doing like in two two thousand fifteen. Uh, the average company would come to us 
from Excel. Um, like, you know, the most of their ma employee management was done on Excel or something or manually. Employee mm -hmm. records were on paper um, and benefits were minimal. And things like strategic HR, like performance management and learning management were very, were not even on the radar, never discussed. Um, that's changed a lot. So today, you know, seven years later, many more companies are coming to us from using another platform. Um, so like, you know, companies are, are definitely more automated than they used to be overall. And now we're getting a lot of requests for like performance management solutions, learning and talent development solutions. Um, these are things that we've added on our platform actually specifically because we were starting to get requests and really seeing the market evolve. Um, so that's really cool to see. It's cool to kind of see companies get more sophisticated on the whole. Um, another thing, again, like <laughs> this is a, it, funny, but the BPO industry has always been at the forefront of this stuff. So when the average company wasn't even thinking about performance management, a lot of our BPO clients were already asking for it. When most companies did not have or were not even thinking about a, a rewards and recognition program, BPOs were already doing this. Um, and it's it's a result of the industry being hyper-competitive. Like our, there's such a war for talent within that outsourcing industry. They have to, you know, employers have to go above and beyond. Uh, and they do that. So they've always been ahead of the game, but we're seeing the whole industry overall, you know, evolve really well um, over time, which is pretty cool. And in terms of uh, finance and credit scores and things like that, you know, these freelancers and people that aren't really on the system, they, they don't develop a credit score. And mm -hmm. so much of the Philippine economy as well is actually, um, you know, pretty subsistence living and people don't have a lot of spare cash. There's a lot of kind of pawnbrokers and um, payday loan specialists. And a lot of the staff really get... Um, taken advantage of and, and are paying high rates and things like that. As things become more formalized, um, certainly the expectation is that there's better access to, to funding, to finance, uh, cheaper rates and things like that. Are you seeing that kind of slowly trickle through the system? Even though I do believe that rates are still pretty high in the Philippines, mm -hmm. even for you know, mortgages and uh, very legitimate loans. But are you seeing the sort of maturation of the financial sector for the workforce? Yeah. yeah so a number, in a number of ways, absolutely. So um, first, I think like for, for, for the foreign folks tuning in, it's, it's pretty wild here. And I'll give you an example of kind of the debt, uh, the debt traps that people get in. Um, in the Philippines, it's quite common for if you're, if you get a payday loan on the street, you surrender your ATM card to the lender, so you'll see it, in your, and you'll see it here when you're in, when you're in the city, and you're, you line up at an ATM, and somebody in front of you has a fanny pack, and it's full of ATM cards. That's a lender, and he's confiscated the ATM cards of all these people that he's lent to, and he withdraws their salary before they get it. It's, and these lenders, they kind of stand outside the front of uh, offices and yeah. factories, factory gates, don't they? And, and it's yeah. kind of a street-based service. Like. Yeah, it's predatory. Um, yeah. It, it's, it fills a need in the market, which is access to credit, which is a huge problem in the Philippines. But at the same time, it's very predatory. The, the lending rates are like, 
anything I've seen up to a hundred percent a month. Um, so that's like 20% a week. You know, it's, it has a name in the Philippines, five, six, right? You borrow $5 at the start of the week and you pay them back $6 at the end of the week. Um, so other ones go up to 3% interest per day. Um, but yeah, like absolutely insane, uh, you know, insanely bad deals that these, these folks are getting, but it's being disrupted in, in a, in a bunch of different ways, which is fantastic to see. Um, so first is, you know, fintech, financial technology has finally arrived in the Philippines. I think in the last three years, we've seen a massive influx of, of venture capital dollars, like VC dollars flowing into the market. We've seen a ton of startups kind of pop up uh, out of nothing to, to address this. Um, anything from like BNPL, like buy now, pay later guys, to um, lenders, to, you know, salary advance folks. So for example, in Sprout, we work with a salary advance partner and it's an interest-free salary advance. Um, and it, and it's all facilitated by our platform. So our clients can provide a salary advance feature to their employees, totally free of charge for the company, um, totally automated for the company. Uh, you know, this kind of beautiful system for employees to have access to this to this and and what we found is incredible reviews of of the service like employees love this um and they're so grateful to just have this benefit because uh, like you said a lot of it's like subsistence living people kind of um you know what i actually interesting point what i found there is especially in the bpo industry a lot of folks actually have disposable income but because historically it's always been hand to mouth, that instinct to save is not yet there. So people still, people spend, and what I see among the young people is that they just spend more. Um, yeah. But we're starting to see even that turnaround. So like we have a, a couple BPO clients that we're working with to set up, uh, like essentially, it's, it's essentially like the same as a 401k in the US, which is basically like this retirement account. Um, and doing employer-employee contributions. So this may be like an old thing in the developed world, but in developing markets like the Philippines, it, there, there's no like um, retirement account that's part of your employee benefits package. It, typically, some companies do it, but very few. But we're starting to see that pick up. And we're, again, we're adding that to the platform to, to facilitate it for employers. So yeah, we're, we're definitely starting to see. And I think the fintech... Um, fintech side of things is the most exciting because these guys are coming in they're providing these services and also providing it providing them in the in a way that's like faster more convenient cheaper better than than anything you would get from kind of the traditional financial sector historically yeah things are changing and things need to change because as you said like the the sort of existing provisions you know for so long this this country was struggling and i think now with the outsourcing sector and obviously the economic development of the country a lot more people as you say have disposable income um, mm -hmm. but for so long so many people lived week to week uh, mm -hmm. and then they were subject to these um, you know loan sharks or lenders and as the fintech comes in it, it provides relief to them and, and better opportunities to them as well what, what yeah. I find amazing as well is is the sort of velocity of the the evolution is getting faster um, yeah. these advance payments of salary uh, I 
I, you know, it was quite a big sort of topic, maybe nine to 12 months ago in the US, mm. you know, there was a lot of mm. startups in the US offering it to, to staff. And, yeah. you know, maybe previously, it would have taken another 20, 30 years for it to hit the Philippines. Yeah. It's yep. kind of nine months later, you've got yeah. the startup scene here thinking it's a great idea here and, and kind of, so it seeds a lot quicker, doesn't it? And the fintechs Amazing. are all yeah. kind of exploring new products and new ways to, to bring innovation to the market. So yeah. it's very, very powerful. Huh? Super. I mean, absolutely. You, you've seen like another example of that is in the US, they, I just saw the first apps no, a year or two ago that we're doing fractional share investing, like you could buy, you know, $10 worth of Apple stock. Um, that was new in the US, I don't know, not not that long ago. And now there's a startup in the Philippines providing exactly that fractional share investing in the US stock market for Filipinos. So like, yeah, like you said, radical kind of pace of development, which is which is so cool to see. Yeah. You know, one thing, and I know this isn't necessarily in your wheelhouse or certainly sprouts, but um, Philippines was on the global map because of their uh, pay to play, play to pay, play to pay. Um, uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the, you know, because of that, they're sort of one of the, the highest countries of crypto adoption. Um, but the pay to play has come under a little bit of scrutiny and, uh, you know, it's sort of potentially arguably a bit of a Ponzi scheme and people might not get their money out, but a really sort of fascinating experiment in mm -hmm. the future of work, the future mm -hmm. of sort of compensation. Um, mm -hmm. From your perspective, have you come across it, had any thoughts about it or, mm -hmm. or even seen it? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I've been following crypto since 2010, so I definitely have kind of watched that evolve the play, play, play to earn um the the nft market all those things i think they're all super interesting experiments um like axie is a massive is a massive example of of that uh um, play and earn kind of uh crypto phenomenon um i think even if axie Again, this is arguable. Like some people will say, oh, no, it's fantastic and it's sustainable and everything. Other people will say, you know, no way. It's a Ponzi scheme. Even if it doesn't work out, they're absolutely, that's, there's, they're absolutely onto something. I mean, I think there, there will be sustainable incomes derived in the metaverse and all, you know, all that, all that stuff. So, yeah, that's interesting. And and again, like like you kind of alluded to, it provides a, a massive new uh, avenue of work for for developing countries for the Philippines. We're like we're very we were very on top of it already. Let's see how it how it develops. In terms of like, yeah, go well, real fast. In terms of what we see among our customer base, um, we don't have yet like request a lot of requests we've had one or two requests to add bitcoin to nice. our platform as a payment channel yeah so like employees giving employees the ability to earn their wages in in crypto that's like super cool to see i think it's a, a bit dangerous like it's so early days for the whole crypto world it's maybe a bit dangerous if if you're an employee to put all your wages there but but yeah it's pretty cool to see we're definitely kind of keeping abreast of that when it becomes when it hits kind of critical mass it'll definitely be one of the things that we unlock for our clients 
It, it you know, as you, like again, this velocity of technology, like um, mm-hmm. the Maya, um, which is one of the payment mm-hmm. sort of gateways here, they now have crypto in the wallets, mm-hmm. don't they? So it is, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's just sort of the penetration of technologies is really it, it's global. Like um, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not seeing the Philippines have any. Um, I suppose, delay in access to these technologies now, which is yeah, uh, super. super exciting. In terms of, I did actually mean play to earn um, mm-hmm. that, that you were talking about. And mm-hmm. I find it super interesting. I was talking to Gabby Dizon. He was, he's um, founded YGG that works with X Infinity and he got mm-hmm. funded by Andreessen Horowitz and mm-hmm. um, arguably in some valuations, one of the, um, unicorns of the Philippines. But, cool. you know, I was saying to him, instead of play to earn, you need, imagine if you could kind of develop a concept of play to work, uh, sorry, earn to work. And mm-hmm. instead of, you know, you're, you're getting sort of credits for playing, you, you're getting credits for doing yes. random work. I, I think yeah. that's the potential yeah. future of work. If it could be yeah. kind of, I don't know, properly monitored. I, but, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. In some segments, and BPO is a super interesting segment to to explore that in. Actually, there the 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 outsourcing industry is definitely an interesting industry to explore. That where some of the work is is super plug and play, um, and you can do that. So in the U.S., there's actually a couple startups that are playing with this concept. So they're blockchain based, and then. You basically, as a worker, you log in and you earn your salary in real time. Like the money is in your wallet, in your bank, in in near real time. It's like every fifteen seconds or something, you get nice. you get paid, um, which is super. Yeah, I I, I talked about I talk about this to folks actually periodically. Fundamentally, the idea of working and getting paid every two weeks or once a month is absolutely a dated concept that is going away like real time it will go real away time earn, I think, yes I think, absolutely yeah real time earning is real time earning is coming 100 percent. Um, because in essence the the company which has a lot of resources is taking a two-week loan yeah, from the super. employee it's Correct. incredible yeah yeah uh, and and historically just because of the limitations of the system everybody got accustomed to this but but that has been upended already technologically and it's socially and like culturally and everything, you know, all that, that will follow. And, and then we'll all be earning in real time, which again is, is great for developing markets. Oh my gosh. Like Philippines should be championing this, right? Yeah. It's an interesting, you know, there's this whole decentralized web three movement. And um, I heard, I, I don't know how it's going, but there was a effectively an upwork that was, you know, effectively decentralized and you would earn the the coin or the, the crypto, yeah. Yeah. which would also then give you an interest in the business. Um, yeah. And again, it's an interesting concept, but of course, Super. you know, the, the key to any of these businesses is actually them getting traction and market adoption, which, you know, these things don't necessarily solve those core problems, but uh, yep. Yep, yep. and having and having like the kind of the regulatory framework to to make sure that people are protected and you know, yeah i mean a, yeah. a lot a lot has to catch up but but it's pretty exciting and it's pretty cool to see the writing on the wall here you know yeah incredible and amazing if yeah. you know 
like the Philippines could could be at the forefront of that experimentation. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, you know, I'm always sort of racking my brain. Like, for example, a content writer, you know, if they could just kind of log into any website and write them a good article, and if it passed um, whatever the standards of that website was, then they could yeah. claim the payment for it. You know, there's so yep. much potential for just automated yeah. engagements, but maybe we're uh, we're a little way away from that. Anyway, Patrick, yeah. amazing, amazing. And yeah. congratulations with the the growth of Sprout. And um, it really is um, a big problem that needed a solution. So uh, yeah. congratu- congratulations with that. Um, Thanks. Thanks. As always, you know, I encourage people to check it out, um, reach out, have a phone call or explore. If, if they want to know more, how can they get in touch? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, you can get in touch at sprout.ph, our website. You can email me directly um, at patrick at sprout.ph. Uh, so very, uh, um, very open, easy to, to get in touch with us. That was Patrick Gentry, the co-founder and CEO of Sprout Solutions. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast and if you want to ask us anything then just send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com see you next time